Thank you for listening to the Giving Light Podcast. We are a family church and world outreach center. Our heart is to empower you to walk in true freedom and equip you to impact your world. Please visit our website at givinglight.org to learn more about us and our many resources, including original music by Brave Music, e-courses for leaders, tools for raising powerful kids, and more. If you would like to support Giving Light financially, visit our Give Online page to choose the best giving method for you. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy this message. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You're so here. <laughs> Listen, this is what we're going to do for all eternity when we get to heaven. So this is just practice. <laughs> just practice. So we're going to be up here ministering. We'll sing some songs and may do some prophecy. But I do have a word for this house this morning, and I want to be mindful of my time. So if you can be seated, if you can, but still maintain that attitude of worship. Really excited to be with you this morning. Special shout out to the apostles of the house, the man and woman of God. I know Dr. Mel's not here, but we just honor you guys this morning, honor your family. Rest of the worship team, I wish I could take that back with me to Pittsburgh. I'm actually going to just put out a public invitation, just come down anytime you want. Um, man, it's, it's just really, really good to be in God's house and be in God's presence this morning. So I'm going to preach a little bit um, and share a message I believe God has for this house. Um, Rebecca, I'm sorry you heard you heard the like rough edit of this a couple weeks ago in New Jersey. Um, so I've, I got it. I got. Let me know how I do this time, right? Um, but I'm at the point now in my journey with God where a lot of significant shifting has happened in my life. So just kind of give you a little bit of what the last 18 to 24 months has looked like for me. So um, two years ago, decided to leave my job as a pastor on staff at a local church, full time salaried position to go pursue something that God put in my heart, and that's filmmaking. And in the midst of doing that, we pulled our retirement. We paid the taxes. <laughs> we did all the things that you do in faith. All the go signs, the green light was there. Hey, you're supposed to do this, right? Ended up casting some significant people. Our first project, five days after I left my job to work in this project, it got shut down. So that happened. Went through a crazy season. I'm going to talk about that a little bit more, but uh, ended up falling into some significant heavy depression. Like, I've never been depressed like this before in my life. I mean, like, crying fits. Like, I'm, like, having temper tantrums and stuff like that. God started working on my heart, and in that process of just kind of seeking God's face and getting inner healing, he began to talk to me about getting back into ministry. I said, no, thank you. Like, I'm not interested in this. He was like, well, I'm not really interested in what you're interested in. I'm interested in what I'm interested in for your life. So through some uh, turning and some pulling and some different things like that, we ended up um, saying yes to church planting. That happened. Uh, cut a long story shorter, in the process of doing that, a lot of great things happened, but a lot of not so great things happened. So we found our location. I'm going to share a little bit about this during my time, but we found our location. We found where God wanted us to have our place. We had a church building. We got a 5,000 square foot lot, a community center, Right, the city just gave us a garden. This does not happen in church planting world, okay? It's very clear that God wants us to do this. So five days after we found our space, my dad dies. Yeah, so that happened. So we're processing that. Start, stop, start, stop, start, stop. We're processing that. Then, you know, later on, that fall of last year, because we started October of 2019, in September, my wife gives me a call, and she says, I'm late. I'm like, well, where are we supposed to go? 
True story. He says, no, babe, I'm late. Well, what do you mean I'm late? Like, 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 where are we going? What's going on? She says, no, silly. I'm late because I think I'm pregnant. It's like, oh, <laughs> I'll call you right back. Heavenly Father, it is you. I come to you right now. So in the process that we found out we're pregnant, we're expecting, great things are happening, right? We end up starting the church, right? Things are going well. Everything's going awesome. January rolls around. January 2nd of 2020, I'll never forget it. It was probably one of the most... And a little bit about my testimony. I'm from the hood, okay? Like real, real, like real stuff, okay? I've been shot at. I may have returned some offerings of violence. Let's just leave it at that, okay? I have never, <laughs> I have never had the state of shock I heard when we go to find out the gender of the baby. And I don't see one, but I see two twins. Yeah. Um, and as you know, COVID-19 happens, we deliver the babies in April, and life has just been kind of crazy, so to speak. So the question I always get asked is, like, so like how did you figure out like, when you're going to plant a church, when you're going to start a family? And then, you know, the best um, you know, growth strategy for church planting is uh, multiplication. So, all right, when are you going to decide to have twins? Like, when are you going to do it during a global pandemic and all those different things? And the question I, I ask people is, like, why would you think I had any control over this challenge, like these challenges whatsoever? So... As we go through this message today, um, this message is pretty much kind of summing up where we're at in our journey. I have my clicker here. I thought there was a monitor. I would have brought my computer. So if I stand over here and I don't go past the black tape, I'm good, right? All right, awesome. So everybody say rethink, rebuild, rebuild. and relaunch. I believe that that's part of what God wants this church to be a part of. Um, we are in a series in our church right now called Rethink, Rebuild, and Relaunch. And the story and the message that I'm going to share with you today is a big part of that. But a little bit about New Culture Church. We're all about um, connecting with others, experiencing Jesus, and living power. Um, this whole COVID-19 thing has helped me reverse engineer and kind of get back to the genesis of what the church is actually supposed to look like, right? So for us, it's relationship. It's relationship with Jesus, and it's relationship that empower people so well that we can change our city. So, uh, But part two of our message is what I want to drop on you today, and it's called Dream Big die empty. Everybody say dream big, die empty. Acts chapter 13, verse 36, it says, for David, after he served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was buried among his fathers and experienced decay in the grave. That's the amplified version, so you can hear me nice and loud. I'll read it again. For David, after he served the purpose of God in his own generation, right? Purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep, he died, he was buried amongst his fathers, and he experienced decay in the grave. And this scripture, when I read it, I'm, I'm isolating it in the midst of a whole bunch of other scriptures. But, like, you ever read the Bible, and it just jumps off the page? Well, that phrase that I have there in green, served the purpose of God in his own generation. And I've been living in this season, right, starting the church, COVID-19. Like, God, what is the purpose of God for my generation? Purpose of God for my generation. So as I've been going through this journey, I've been talking about this whole idea of dream big. So a couple months ago, there's a guy named Bob Goff, and he released a book called Dream Big. And it's one of those things where um, if you don't know who, everybody knows who Bob Goff is? Just raise, okay. Some of you do. Okay. The whole church, I'm not, I'm not, y'all might want to read the book called Dream Big. It's, 
Yeah, it makes it's like he's like our generation C.S. Lewis. That's how good he is. Okay, a little bit about Bob Goff. He's a believer, but he's also an attorney. He like tries witch doctors. Okay, gets them convicted for death sentences, but then creates like rehab programs for them to get like life skills to come out of being Rick's doctors and changes their lives. Like, and we're arguing about if we're wearing masks on Sunday (laughs) and he's out here literally trying to change the world. But his book is called Dream Big and there was something in it that really wrecked my life. But as I was going through this process about Dream Big, um, I began to think about like, all right, what what do big dreams look like? And I thought about the Tower of Babel. And if you're not familiar with it, we all are familiar with the story, some of us. But if you're not, let me just paraphrase it for you. A bunch of people get together, and they decide, we're going to build a tower so high in the sky that it's going to hang out in God's backyard. That's pretty much it. That's the gist of it. Did I get that wrong? Okay, cool. So they were so committed to this idea that the Bible says that God himself started watching this project as it was happening, and he says, these people are so committed that they're speaking the same language Right? They have the same intentions, they have the same vibe about going after this tower thing that like, if we don't go down there and see about this, they're actually going to do it. They're actually going to do it. So the question I ask you and ask myself as I read that is, God moved by your dreams. The dreams that you have for your life, is God moved by them? We're talking about dreaming big, like really, really big. I'm not talking about like, Lord Jesus, I thank you that I have food on the table and clothes on my back. And yes, we need to be grateful. Yes, we need to be thankful. Yes, we need to be honored and we need to be humble. We need to be all of those great things that good Christians need to be, right? But how many of you know that the world has been changed significantly by Western Christianity? And I'll even go a step deeper. The world needs another change by Western Christianity, from the American church. This is specifically for the American church. I'm not isolating the body of Christ. I know we're an international church. But I think we are positioned because we have the resources, right? We have the opportunities to really, really change the world. And what would happen if the Western church would not think about themselves and think about the rest of the world and will we approach life? So is God moved by your dreams? So um, no one benefits from conservative Christianity, and that's not a political statement, okay? I want to be very clear, okay? Nobody in here, in your life, in your community, in your family, in your job, in your spheres of influence, benefits from you being a conservative Christian. We're all together in this room today because Jesus hung out with 12 dudes for three and a half years, and they decided to not be conservative. That when Acts chapter 2 happened, the day of Pentecost, God was like, guess what? We're going to be progressives today. We're going to turn the world upside down. That here we are 2,000 plus years later because some guys decided to take the Jesus that they received and the Holy Spirit that he said he would give us, which Paul actually tells us is a down payment for our inheritance and actually do something about it. That it's time for us to not be conservative Christians, all right? So a big, a big dream, right? I was like, all right, where are you going with this, pastor? Okay, well, let me tell you. I'm going to give you the warning. Everybody say Warning. This dreaming big stuff is dangerous. Ask me how I know. I just told, I told you the stuff I could tell you publicly about the last 24 months of my life, right? But I'm going to tell you three things a big dream does. Because we're talking about dreaming big and we're talking about dying empty, right? So the first thing a dream does, it disrupts your life. 
It will disrupt everything in your life. I just sat here and told you, I left a stable job with a brand new wife to pull our retirement to take the tax hit. I don't know if anybody knows, when you pull out of that 501, whatever it is, they get, Uncle Sam's going to get his. That's what my granddad used to say. He's going to get his, okay? And if he doesn't get his, you will be paying time to, for him to get that back. So we took our retirement. We took a tax hit on it. I was like, what? Now, now thinking about it, I was like, what were we thinking? I got twins, Jesus. Why didn't you warn me, right? Like we took our retirement. We invested in this project. I leave a stable situation. My life is absolutely disrupted. Five days later after I go out on faith, I have this dream. I'm going to make a movie. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be power. You know, all, these, all the signs are there. Let me tell you. I know we're streaming, but I can share this now because it's two, year, two years later. I ended up casting a young lady out of Houston, Texas. Now, the way casting works, I have some time. They come to you. Okay? You don't go to people. Okay? So these were some of the signs that disrupted our lives. So we say, all right, we're going to do this. We open up casting. First two days of casting. Um, we had like two people sign up for casting. Okay, this is real. This is true. My wife is upset about it. I don't know where she's at. She's probably still check, check, checking on her stream. Do you have Candace's uh, number? She's here. She's checking. We have some challenges with our stream, but she, hopefully we can get her in the room. But um, So she's like, I'm not okay with this. I'm used to doing stuff at a high level. My wife is phenomenal. Not only is she beautiful, but she's phenomenal. She started a graduate school of education in New York City. She's run a lot of different things. I'm married way up and beyond my coverage, okay? Okay, the Bible says that he that finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord, okay? My wife is fine, and she, she was, she's phenomenal. So um, she's not used to doing low-level stuff, just being honest with you. I said, babe, be careful what you say because God is listening. We come back the weekend later, we have 2,000 people signed up to audition. We went from two to 2,000. So now we got a better, different problem. Right? We got to figure out. How are we going to get these people? We end up doing 150 castings in like three days. End up casting this young lady out of Houston, Texas. We cast her. Everybody's like, there she is. There's my lovely wife. Give her a hand as she comes on in. She's so beautiful. She's so beautiful. Yeah, she can sit there and, and smile at me, make me feel like I'm doing good. All right. Where was I? Okay, yes. All right. So we cast this young lady out of Houston, Texas. I'm talking about the movie, okay? We cast this lady out of Houston, Texas. We, we call her back. It doesn't work out. Candace, now Candace, as great as she is, she's new to the film game, okay? She's like, man, I really wanted her. She was pretty awesome. You know, she was nominated for a Grammy, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, what? I'm like, why didn't you tell me this when we were going into the auditions? I would have been casted her, right? Look at this lady's resume. I think she's either lying or God is really on this thing. So I Google her. YouTube video comes up. She's on AB Good Morning America. Our next guest is going to talk to us about what it's like to be in girls' time and how this specific artist was her muse, blah, 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 and they're going all these different things. And, like, what it was like to be on season 12 of The Voice. And I'm like, what? Well, girls' time was Destiny's child when they were younger. She grew up with Beyonce. Like, in art, like, I'm like, oh, God is clearly on this, right? The, the artist who was her muse, who she got Grammy nominated for, was none other than Prince himself. 
So I look up another video, and Prince is like on this side of the stage while she's in the middle of the stage singing. And I, yes, exactly. So these were some of the signs for our dream that said, yes, you should leave your job and pull your retirement, right? Another young lady, I'm going to keep it moving, but we end up casting her. Candace was like, oh, yeah, you're going to come? And she's like, yeah, I'll be fine. And from L.A. Okay, I was like, oh, what's going on in L.A.? And she's so sweet. She had no idea. Neither did None of us did. So yeah, I'm sponsored by Heineken, but I'm like the South African like correspondent for <laughs> BET. That's Black Entertainment Television. I'm like, okay. I was like, be cool, be cool. Don't say anything. We look at her Instagram. She got 1.8 million followers. I'm like, something's not adding up, even though that, I'm like, something's not right. So we're in a production meeting, and Candace's like, hey, check your email. I look, come to find out, this young lady is the granddaughter of Desmond Tutu. In our little first-time production, right? But I was saying something about a big dream. I'm like, all right, this is the level we want to play at. This is the level we're going to go through it. And then five ladies later, and as we get out of our stable situation, God pulls the rug under it. It's just disruptive. It's very disruptive. So I was like, all right, God, as I was reflecting on this, like, all right, I know a dream disrupts our lives. Well, what else does a dream do? And he shared this with me. It develops you. So, so not only is your life disrupted by a big dream, we're talking about dreaming big today, it's going to get you out of your box. It's going to cost you some things. It's going to not be cool sometimes. Sometimes it might work. Sometimes it might not work. But the whole reason why God wants us to dream bigger is because he wants to develop us on a completely different level. That the, 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 the worship we gave God today will not get us through next week. <laughs> the faith that we had last week is not good enough for next week. The faith that got you through COVID-19 is going to run out in 2021. I'm just saying, right? We, we've had to go deep the last six months. But guess what? God wants us to go deeper. So a dream disrupts, it develops, and the last but certainly not least, it delivers you to your destiny, right? That's why God wants us to dream big. So I think about Joseph, and I think about his life. He has this dream, and his brothers are serving him in this dream, and then guess what happens? They're like, we don't like this dream, so we're going to sell you into slavery, right? He gets sold into slavery, and the Bible actually says that while Joseph was on his way in prison after he got bought, while he was on his way to prison, that God was with him. That's crazy. That's not fun, Jesus. <laughs> Some of the things we walked through the last couple of years, I'm glad God was with us. Yes, thank you, Lord. Bless you. Amen. But when I get to heaven, because I want to make sure I'm in first, I'm going to ask some questions. <laughs> what was that about, Lord? Right? Like, like, he's then developed, and in that time, he's in the prison. He's learning how to interpret dreams on a different level. Then he gets to Potiphar's house, and then the same thing happened. Then his life's disrupted, and he didn't even do anything wrong. He actually did the right thing. And in that time, God was developing, but, but at the end of the story, we see him and his brothers being delivered because he was delivered. And he says, what you meant for evil, God will use it for good. So a dream disrupts develops, and it delivers. And I, I want to leave you with this, this uh, quick question from the book, Dream Big. And then we're going to go into what it means to die empty, and we're going to go back into some more worship. So if all your prayers were answered, how many lives would be changed? So that's what we're talking about when it comes to Dream Big. 
that the current dreams you have right now, the current wants and desires and things that you really want to use, you're really believing God for, you're praying for on a regular basis. If God actually did that, how many lives would be changed? Because last time I checked, I was just sharing this with a friend, and there's some quick quotes. Uh, 2018, half of the world just got the internet. That's crazy. Did you know that almost, give or take, almost 50% in the world have never even heard the gospel? And people are like, COVID-19, Jesus is soon to return. Listen, I heard a long time ago that it says that God doesn't want anybody to perish. And if God is as good as we think he is or we say he is, it would be a really cruel trick if like almost half of the world has never heard the gospel. That means half the world's going to go to hell. And the way I see it, God's going to give them at least one chance. You know? He has at least one. Can I get one chance? Yes, one chance. So, so we are in our little bubble, and we're thinking about things. I shared this at the meeting, so I shared that, I, that, that idea around the whole internet. So what Amazon decided to do that weekend um, a couple of weeks ago was they decided, <laughs> ready for this, to invest $10 billion into internet satellites so they can create their own um, networks for the internet. And we can't even raise money to build a church or, or, or a missions trip. That, thank you, baby. Yes, the baby gets it. But like, that's what we're talking, we're talking about those type of dreams that are changing the world. I'll give you another one. Listen, I'm just going to be honest with you. This has been very revolutionary. It's been very, uh, how can I say this? Controversial. It's not the mark of the beast. I'm just going to get that out of the way. But Elon Musk's chip that he's trying to do, that's not the mark of the beast. Some other things have to happen. I just want to put that out there. But like, this dude really believes that he can use technology to heal neurological diseases. And I do know that medical, you know, treatments are not an inferior way of healing. But like, what would happen if like somebody who was actually led by the Holy Spirit would say, how can I use technology to change the world? That 10 years ago, when he said, we're gonna put people on Mars, people laughed at him. Now NASA is his client. Think about that. They gotta go to him for help. But we read the Old Testament and the New Testament, we see that level of influence. We're talking about dream big today. I can keep going on, but I want to do some other things before we go. So everybody say die empty. So we got the first half. Dream big, die empty. So pastor, why would you say die empty? Well, the wealthiest place on the earth is the graveyard. Think about that for a second. I saw a Miles Monroe book at the, in the library. <laughs> That's where I learned it from. Miles Monroe was a great, I just great man of God. But he, he would submit this idea, and he would say, the most wealthiest place on the planet is the graveyard. That everybody in here has at least one book that should come out of your life. Bob Goff says two. I'm going to say one because I know some different people than he does. They just, just One would be a stretch, right? That's just got to be awesome if you use them to do one. But, like, think about those dreams that you're even procrastinating on now, that you're not following through on right now. You keep getting the same prophetic word. You go to presbytery every Sunday morning, different people to saying the same things. And you're like, Lord, I don't know what it is you want me to do. And then you go two weeks later, different people, so you think it's going to be a different word. And they say the same exact thing. And then you go 
four months later at the beginning of the year, like, all right, it's a new year, it's a new season, new anointing, 2020, I'm going to have 2020 vision in 2020. And God says the same thing. That we actually have a responsibility to be good stewards of the things God has given us now. That how much would your world be different if you would actually step out on the things that God said to you? Think about that. I think that's one of the reasons, this is not a part of my message, but I just had this epiphany. I think that's one of the reasons why we think the prophetic movement is slowing down or getting stagnant. Because we haven't been good stewards of the words we've already gotten. And like any good father, you're not going to give your kids stuff that they're not using. Because you would spoil them rotten. And he's a good father. All right. I wasn't planning on saying that. But the wealthiest place on the earth is uh, the graveyard. So um, think about this for a second when it comes to die empty. I'm going to share a quick story and we'll go back in. I'm going to pray for some people. So uh, human lifespan in 2020, if you're healthy, is 79 years. Now, I want to be very clear. I'm not saying that if you're old, you've got 79 and that's it. But if you're healthy, it is not a funny thing to expect to live to be 79 years. Candace knows this about me and some of my friends. I plan on being here for 150 years. She says, good luck with that. I'll see you in heaven. Right? <laughs> I don't want to do this for 150 years. But like right now, if you take care of yourself, it's not a, it's not a stretch, right? A hundred years ago, if you cracked 50, that was a blessing. That we have like, but listen, 79 years is not as long as you think when you consider that that's only a little bit over 28,000 days. Or really almost 700,000 hours. And unless you're a little baby there, my question to you is what will you do with the time you have left? I'm 35. That's, that's close to almost, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm running out of time. I'm running out of time. And this is not a foreboding like, oh, you're going to die, right? But it's about what you're going to do with the time you have. So why do I say die empty? So um, this is my dad here. And that's my only wife. That's Candace. I know you can't see her face, but you can see the hair. It's the same woman, okay? And uh, when, when I was 30... Candace threw the significant, significant surprise birthday party for me. She uh, tricked me. She's half Jewish. She held it at the Jewish Community Center. I'm like, why are we going here today? You know, oh, it's a holiday. I was like, okay, go whatever. Right. <laughs> a walk in, unbeknownst to me, friends and family are there. Hooray, happy birthday. I'm like, oh my goodness, this is crazy, right? Um, Friends are sending videos in from all around the world. She got Bishop Joseph Garlington to fly in from like, where was he at, North Dakota or South Dakota? That's our home church. He's a spiritual father. So she gets him to fly in. And if you know Bishop, he's like all over. I'm trying to figure out how to He's like all bad in all world. He's just, it's just crazy. So he's there. Everybody else is there. And like, we're going, and this was just an awesome time. So my dad comes up to me at the end of this, and he tells me two things. He says, son? I say, yes, sir. He says, we got to talk. I was like, all right. You think I'm crazy? He was crazier. Um, he says, Candace is awesome. And at this point, we were dating like, wait, a year, a year and a half. He said, Candace is awesome. 
He said, man, this party was awesome. He said, son, you better not F this up. But he didn't use F. He actually used the word. <laughs> I was like, okay, all right. And he says, now that I've gotten that out of the way, forgive me, Jesus. <laughs> He's like, son, when are you going to start your own church? He was like, because I'm in this room, and I'm hearing what people are saying about you, and God has given you a gift. He's like, and I've watched you walk right, for the last 15 years, and you love the Lord, you love the Word of God, and he used to always, believe it or not, my dad would always, like, it was funny, but he would run around the house and call me a prophet, right? Now, you got to know why this is significant. By the time I came to Jesus, my dad was in a backslidden state. He was done with the church, okay, part of the church of God of Christ, but he was done. So for him to say anything spiritual out of his mouth that was edifying, okay, to destiny was like a miracle unto itself. Says, so like, man, you're a prophet. He was like, you know, you should start a church. He was like, son, if you don't start this church, he's like, man, listen, there's a lot of people that are going to be dependent upon you to start this church. I said, like, yeah, dad, I'll, you know, cool. Thank you. Ha ha ha. All right. And it was on my radar, but I just discounted it. So a year later, year and a half later, I do my brother's wedding um, and I lose my voice. Okay. I have laryngitis. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm a really loud talker. You see where this microphone is at, right? Like, if I put it here, it's, there's going to be problems. I'm, I'm making the sound man's job a lot easier. So I don't have a voice. And I'm like, dearly beloved, we're gathered here today. Sound like a, a thriller, you know, like a really interesting type of wedding. Afterwards, my dad comes up to me. He says, son, he's like, I got to tell you something. That was the best wedding I've ever been a part of. Remember that? <laughs> Some other crazy stuff happened that day. He's, he was, man, my dad was incredible. Um, but he says, son, that was the best wedding I've ever been a part of. He says, let me ask you something. When are you going to start that church I've been talking about? Because if you were to speak every Sunday, I would actually come to church. And I'm like, at this point, I'm just floored. Because, you know... I didn't have a voice. So for you to say that, and I know he wasn't just being nice, okay? Because my dad, as great as he was, as beautiful as he was, when he said something, he meant it. Like, he didn't, like, flatter you. So if he said it, he meant it. He was like, son, he was like, man, I'm just, I'm mad. He was like, he was like you got what it takes. He was like, you really need to be preaching every Sunday or doing something with this gift. He was like, because right now what you're doing, you're just serving smaller people. And it, he wasn't diminishing what I was doing. He was like, you've done youth and young adults for long enough. He was like, son, it's time for you to do your own thing and serve a lot of people. And there's messages in your heart. I was like, okay, cool. So then as I mentioned, a year and a half later, here we are. And we, we end up um, going through the things that I shared with you. And he passed away. And we have these babies. And this is my current context now. So right here is my sister, uh, my wife, um, her mom, which looks like her sister. Great genes in their family and my family. My mom, my sister, and my two daughters and Candace. And this has been a crazy season in my life. But who's missing? My dad. That... We have a responsibility to dream big, but also die empty. Because if you don't die empty, your family is going to miss out on some of the most significant moments of your life. What would have happened if when my dad nudged me and said, son, you better not F this up, I actually listened and married Candace. We probably would have had kids a lot sooner. And guess who would have been able to hang out with my daughters on this side of heaven? My dad. 
I can't pick up the phone and call him and say, what do I do about this? I'll never have pictures of him holding those babies. He'll never know what it's like to be in our first anniversary of our church. He'll never know what it's like to see us ordain people and send people to the nations. I mean, he has the best view. He's from in heaven, but like, like how many know, like he would probably want to be here to experience that now. That when we're talking about dreaming big, dying empty, you don't have the luxury. You don't have, you don't have the opportunities that you think you have. You know, I was in New York City a couple weeks ago. I got tested. I'm good. Um, and I was, I was amazed by how many people had to wear masks and how this thing has really changed our culture. That this is one of the most significant times in our generation. I'll leave you with this thought. So I'm in Target in March trying to get toilet paper like everybody else. And uh, you can start playing. You can start playing those mega fest chords. God bless you. So I'm sitting there, and it's, like, packed. And I'm like, why am I here? This is, like, crazy. So I'm sitting there without toilet paper, everything else, because you're going to get one of something at the time. And there was this seasoned gentleman. I don't want to say old man, because he was a seasoned gentleman. And he was in one of those carts. And he had the blue veteran hat on. It was a World War II hat. And on his way out, he was like, I got something to say. And everybody was like, okay. He was like, I don't know what you're freaking out about this whole COVID thing for. This is the PG version. He was like, but. He was like, this ain't nothing but a big old flu. He was like, I've been on the beaches of Normandy. I fought Hitler. He says, my daddy lost everything he had in the Great Depression. He's like, you need to man up and grow a pair, all of you. <laughs> and everyone's like, yes, sir, you know. And he's just going in there. And then after he said that, he gathered himself up and he just left. And I was like, all right, Lord, you got to help me because I felt like that was a message for me right now in my life. And I had this, I had this epiphany. This COVID season that we're in, this crazy season that we're in, this is actually going to redefine generations after us. And like, I'm a millennial, right? Like, we've never had anything this crazy. Like, I got saved because of Y2K, because they said the world was going to end. <laughs> Seriously, I did. We talked about that yesterday. The world was going to end. We still got water in the basement at home from Y2K. <laughs> but this is a little bit different, okay? What's happening right now. That It's like, okay, let me check my rapture bingo list, because there's a couple more numbers we need to hit. But I really do believe that as we come out of this, those of us that have the courage to dream big and die empty will actually be like a part of the people that God wants to raise up in the earth to actually change generations. Like, like you have a responsibility to change a generation. It's so funny. I'm at the International um, Center over there, and I went to the restroom, and they have that uh, picture of the toilet paper up on the wall. Somebody patented that in 18-something guess what? Their generations are being blessed right now. Think about that. What, what dreams, what inventions, what ideas is locked up in this house? What mandates are over your lives? What will your children's children say about what you did with this time? 
I know a friend, he wrote a book because of the pandemic. He was like, it's the best thing I ever did. Because I can honestly say if I went and slowed down, I went and wrote a book. So today I want to just pray over you guys. If you guys can just stand up. This is an unorthodox message. I'm an unorthodox type of guy. And I do have um, a word for the house, I believe. And I'm going to just release that real quick. I can get uh, the leadership team up front real quick. If you're on the leadership team. Yeah. Take some water real quick. come forward as the head. I'm just going to put my hand on your shoulder um, and I'm just going to pray. So Father God, I just thank you for this house. Lord, I decree and I declare right now, God, that this is a great season, a new season, a great season, an awesome season, the best season, significant season right now. And I heard the Lord say, that it's time to go up another level. It's time to go up another level. I heard the Lord say multiplication, 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 multiplication. I heard the Lord say it's time for you to reinvest in leadership in a new level, in a new way. And the Lord says I'm using the new ideas and the new inventions and the technology to get this place back on the map. That you're not only giving light, but you're a light on the hill, shining in the darkness. And the Lord says the dress rehearsal is over. It's now time for you all to be on the platform. It's now time for all leadership to be front and center, ready to report for their orders in the army of the Lord. And the Lord says there's going to be a season of travel, significant travel over this house. And some of you will go and some of you will pass. And some of you will say it's like we're like ships in the night. And the Lord says yes, that's because I'm amping up the DNA in this house and it's time to distribute the DNA of this house to the nations, to the nations, to the nations. And I heard the Lord say that Dr. Mel is coming back for a season of rest in this season. I know what's happening in the natural with mom and everything like that, but she's about to shift gears. And what I saw her as, I saw her as like the player coach, not just the player, but the player coach. And what she's going to do is she's going to be getting to coach the leadership in the next wave and the next move of you to go to the nations. And she's actually going to sit back and she's actually going to send you out. And I saw her and the man of God blessing each and every one of you. And as they laid their hands upon you, I saw a double portion and an anointing come off of their lives onto your lives. It's like when Moses anointed the 70. So the Lord says, re-anoint, re-invest, re-anoint, re-invest, re-anoint, re-invest. And I heard the Lord say, it's time for more writers to come forth. More books will come out of this house. 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 Man of God, right quick, real quick. And Joe, I heard the Lord say, write more songs, write more songs, record, write more songs, write more songs, write more songs, record. And yes, that's an easy word to give to a worship leader. But the Lord says that you're going to tap into the same stuff that like the Michael W. Smiths and all the penmen and all the people that have these secret words. And people are going to say about you, Joe, they're going to say, man, I wish I would have thought about that. I even heard the Lord say there's going to be the same level of writing like the Beatles had for a generation. 
They're going to be simple songs, simple melodies, simple songs, simple melodies. I even heard the Lord say, yes, it's time. It's time. I even heard other people begin to, to call you, coming back to you and say, you know what? I'm sorry, you're right. I'm sorry, you were right. I even heard the Lord say that he's even multiplying you. And, and I know you're known as a son of the house and a leader of the house. But I heard the Lord say he's going to give you some of your own things to build in this season. I don't know what that means. I'm being very careful. I'm not sending you out. <laughs> but what I heard the Lord say, it's time for the builder to build. And this next thing is going to be like Noah's Ark, where he built it over some time. And I saw people, just like they mocked Noah, they mocked you. But the Lord says he's going to have the last laugh. And he says, you're even going to save a lot of people. You're going to save a lot of people. Where's uh, uh, where's Katie at? She's not here. She's okay, she's teaching class. Rebecca, you're next. <laughs> As she comes up here. This is awesome. So I've been like, I can't stop thinking about you since we saw each other a couple of weeks ago. I'm like, Lord, what is it that you want to say to this woman? Um, and uh, I, I'm just gonna be, I'm just gonna give it to you like I hear it. Um, uh, it's not time to relocate, says God. Um, he says that there's many things here for you, um, and I felt this for you specifically. There's a scripture that says, "Cast your bread upon the water, and after many days you will find it." I felt like the Lord is saying, like, the many days is now. And, like, there's some things coming back into your life in 2020, 2021, and 2022. And, like, what I saw literally happen is I saw literally, I saw Jesus move up to, to your current house. And this is what I'm seeing in the spirit. That's why I said not relocate. And I see him saying, like, the house that he's giving you is the right house. But he's actually about to do an extreme makeover. And that truck he pulled up, I saw him literally get a whole crew going and change everything around. And I feel like God is saying that he actually wants you to know that the investment that you made in the house, and I don't mean just spiritual house or the house that you're building, the house that you own, right? Um, figuratively, like you're actually about to see the property value just go like through the roof. It's kind of like, I'll give you an example. My uncle lives in uh, Maryland. He worked for the government. He ended up buying a house and then like four streets over, NSA like came to town. <laughs> so you know what that did for his property, like quadrupled. And I feel like God is saying he's about to do that in your life. I also heard the Lord say he wants to give you your own platform and he wants to establish you as a voice uh, specifically to the nations. And what I saw happening was that you're going to be one of those people that are going to start traveling like you've never traveled before. And you're going to be speaking over different people. And I saw, I noticed about you, but I saw you like in the marketplace and I saw you in ministry and I literally saw you presiding over some really different type of meetings. Um, and what, I, what I'm sensing is it's going to be like some of the same type of meetings that Catherine Coleman's resided over where the Holy Spirit's just going to come and people are going to get healed in the parking lot as they're coming in. They're going to like get like, I just saw, man, wow. I just felt like specifically neurological diseases. I literally saw people like as soon as they came into your meetings, I saw like their, their brains get switched on. That's what I saw. And I heard the Lord say he's going to teach you 
the neurological thing a different way than your mom does it. It's going to be something, and it's, it's not a knock against her, but it's going to be something that's very palatable for the next generation. Um, and it's going to be one of those things where, like, a lot of people are going to want to do it, but it's going to be something that you just got, right? Like, that's how it works sometimes, right? And I saw the Lord also saying that there's also going to be a different realm of consulting for you. And I literally saw there were going to be a day where you're going to literally have, like, your calendar marked out two years in advance. So no is going to be a very big word in your vocabulary pretty soon. But I heard the Lord say that it's not time to relocate, but sit back and watch him move in, make the extreme makeover, and quadruple your investment. So, yeah. 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 All right. Um, she's. I can pray for her later. So real quick, babe, if you want to call them up, I want to do something um, for you guys. Um, Candace is going to come around and she's just going to lay her hands on you guys. Um, she has a special grace on her life for like multiplication, not just because of twins. She just makes stuff <laughs> work really well. Um, and for the leader, she's like, no, no, thank you. No, thank you. God bless you. <laughs> you got to get married first. Um, so, yeah. So, Candace is going to do that. Um, and that's all I got. And we'll let Phil go back in. <laughs> so, yeah. So, Father, just go around and just lay your hands on each person. Father, I just thank you. Go ahead now, babe. If you're a leader and you're, are you guys in the leadership team yet? Or a future leadership team? Okay, all right. So we can start here. Huh? What'd you say? <laughs> oh, well, no, you're in leadership. Come on over. You know, that is, uh, all of you, if this is, yes, all of you. Yeah, so as my wife lays her hands on you guys, I just want to pronounce God's blessing over you. So, Father, I thank you for these leaders. Lord, I just thank you for today, God. I thank you for this message of dreaming big and dying empty. I thank you that this is the season Man, this is the season. This is one of those moments where we're going to say, I was in the room. <laughs> I was there when it all started. Father, I thank you, God, for the decades of foundation that has been laid. A firm foundation, Lord. And I ask, God, that you would allow these leaders to receive something that they couldn't receive in the natural was something that's so supernatural that their current spiritual clothes wouldn't fit, that they got to get a new spiritual wardrobe, that they would go deeper. Father, I thank you, God, that even as they've said yes to coming back together, that this is not the same church. This is not the same ministry. I thank you that it's not business as usual, and Lord, I thank you for the whole body in this house. I Even earlier when we were worshiping, I felt like, and I hope we're still recording, I think we are, but I felt like God is saying that there are sons and daughters that are supposed to come back to this house, and there are some that have left the wrong way. And I know there was a ministry school, and I'm not sure what's happening with that, but I felt like the Lord is saying that some of them are going to have to repeat some of the classes. And some of them will return to the area, but some of them will have to do it in a remote location just because of, you know, where they're at right now. But I heard a lot of sons and daughters having the same conversations that they're going to have with Joel with a lot of the leadership. Um, I'm sorry. I missed it. Forgive me. I even heard the Lord say, no longer grieve over the sons and daughters that have left. 
you didn't do anything wrong? <laughs> because he's going to give you new sons and daughters. He's going to bring the old ones back, but he's going to give you some new ones. So, Lord, I ask God, as we go into this last song, that you would just have your way and that your kingdom would come and your will be done. In Jesus' name I pray.